Father God, we do praise you because you are a God who is worthy of our praise. As we think of who you are, the amazing attributes that you have, as we think of all that you have done for us, our hearts are filled with a, a desire to express our adoration of you. And so, Lord, we do pray this evening as we do spend time praising you, thinking of um, uh, all that you are and all that you have done, that you would fill our hearts this evening with uh, an adoration that carries on not just uh, throughout this service, but uh, into the week ahead and into the rest of our lives. So, Lord, uh, speak to us now as we come to your word, as we reflect on what it means to praise you and why we praise you. And... Um, Lord, just make us want to praise you, because that is why we're made. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as I said, we're starting a short uh, three-part series on prayer, looking at um, the three basic types of prayer, Uh, starting this evening with praise, which is that uh, upward prayer in which we focus on God himself, uh, who he is, what he's done for us. Um, next week we'll be looking at um, confession, the, uh, the inward prayer in which we examine ourselves, um, become aware of our sin, but then bring it to God. And uh, as we do so, we experience a sense of his grace and forgiveness. And then the third week will be petition, the, the outward prayer in which we focus on our needs and the needs of others and the world around us. Uh, titles we're using are the ones up there, which have been taken from uh, Tim Keller's book on prayer, which I would um, strongly recommend to you. I'm not sure there's a copy in the book uh, shelves, but uh, if there's not, we'll make sure we get some copies of that. Um, great book to register our hearts to, to pray. <clears throat> and those, those titles, I think, really do capture what um, those different elements of prayer are about. Awe, praising his glory, intimacy finding his grace and struggle, asking his help. Well, this evening we're starting with awe, praising his glory. We're starting with praise because if you think of how Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he started with praise. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. But also by starting with praise, it puts everything else into perspective. As we praise God for his holiness, his perfection, we become more aware of our imperfection, which moves us to to confession. As we praise God for his grace and his patience, um, as we come to him in confession, it's easier to confess our sins because uh, we know we're coming to a God who is gracious, who will forgive us. As we praise God for his power, for his majesty, and thank him for all that he's done for us in the past, it's easier to come with our petitions because we have a greater confidence that he will be able to to answer our prayers. We come with a sense of dependence on him. And as we pray and praise God for his wisdom and understanding and faithfulness, again, we come with a confidence as we come with our petitions that he knows what is best for us. That doesn't mean that there aren't times when we can go straight to confession or straight to petition, and the praise will be the normal way in which we come to God. I'm going to be looking at um, Psalm 150, but just using it more as a guide 
um, to praise in general as opposed to uh, an exposition of that psalm. But a psalm is a song of praise. Um, There are different types of psalm. Uh, A lot of them are psalms of lament. But even in the laments, there are still elements of praise within them. Psalm 150 is the last psalm. It's the conclusion to a special group of five psalms right at the end of the the psalms, um, uh, which are psalms of praise. And uh, Psalm 150 is almost the conclusion of that praise. Before we get any further, let's let's take a step back and think, what actually we mean by praise? Because we use the word often, don't we? But do we, I'm sure we've got a sense of what we're doing when we praise, but if we were able to try and explain it, how would we explain praise? What is praise? Well, a couple of things I want to um, uh, suggest this evening. And the first of those it is it's calling attention to God's glory, to God's greatness. It's what, in some ways, distinguishes the Christian from the non-Christian. Do you remember when we did Romans 1 a, a few weeks back and how Paul describes sin? This is what he said, For although they knew God... They neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. So God is glorious, God is great, and we can either acknowledge that, we can call attention to it, or we can choose to ignore it and reject it. In Isaiah 43, God says that he has formed for himself his people, and this is the purpose, that they may proclaim my praise. And his big criticism of Israel is that they had not done that. He carries on, yet you have not called on me, Jacob. You have not wearied yourselves for me, Israel. You have not brought me sheep for burnt offerings, nor honoured me with your sacrifices. In Ephesians 1, we're told God has predestined the church to the praise of his glorious grace. And right at the end of the Bible, in Revelation 5, in John's vision of heaven, he writes, Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. That is a picture of heaven, eternal praise. So when we had at the end of Psalm 150 that um, exhortation, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, the psalmist is saying to the people, acknowledge that he is God. And as you do so, declare yourself to belong to his people. Proclaim his name, make known his glory. So as we do so, it's declaring that we belong to his people. So praise is something that um, we do um, with our wills, but of course it's more than that, isn't it? Um, Because God wants it to be from our hearts. And so praise is also a a natural expression of joy, a natural expression of joy that comes from our hearts. It's externalizing what we know to be true in our heads. And the Bible contains loads of um, examples of spontaneous uh, outbursts of praise which come from that basic joy that is in the heart of the believer. When we rejoice in God, we are glorifying him, we are praising him. Psalm 28 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy 
and with my song I praise him. And that's where the music comes in, I think, because it's um, more than just a declaration of what we believe. It's an expression from our hearts that involves all our emotions. And music is, is a language of the heart, isn't it? And so if you look at Psalm 150, um, music is a, is a predominant theme of this psalm. Look at verse 3. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with a harp and lyre. Praise him with tambourine and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. I think there's probably some purpose to the mention of all these different types of instrument here. We have different types. We have wind, string, percussion, each performing its particular part. Together, they make up the whole. The trumpet may be like a call to worship. In the middle, we have the strings, the, the harp and the lyre. We have the, the tambourine which tempts me to break into another rendition of We All Play the Yellow Tambourine, but um, I think I'll resist it on this occasion. The dancing, which we had this morning, is another um, creative expression of praise. And it's good to dance in the aisles this morning. And at the end, we have this crescendo of the, the symbols with almost a signal to the congregation to respond with this final hallelujah praise the Lord. And that is why music is an important part of our worship when we come together. We can't all play instruments, but we can all sing from the heart, even if some are maybe a little bit more tuneful than, than others. But we can all express ourselves and praise God from the heart. But what about why we praise God? If that is what praise is, why do we, why do, we do it? Yes, he's worthy of our praise. Um, and if God is holy and perfectly good then it's very different from anyone else seeking the praise of others but is that the only reason? it's a question many have grappled with and uh, C.S. Lewis is uh, one of those and as he reflected on this he realised that um, actually all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise and it's our praise of something or someone that completes our enjoyment. What do you do when you, you discover something um, amazing? You say to someone, come and have a look at this. It starts as a young child. It's, you know, Daddy, come and have a look. But it carries on as adults throughout our lives, isn't it? And why do you think Facebook is so massively popular? Because we want to share our experiences with people. Have a look at this photo. Have a look at this video. Have a look at this, uh, this article, this website. It's not enough just to have the experience, you want to share it. And that's why we recommend to others books we've read and uh, films we've seen, places we've, we've visited. And when we meet someone who's had the same experience as us, there's a, there's a connection there, isn't there? What did the woman at the well say when she met Jesus and went back to a village? She said, come, see, a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? She couldn't stop expressing her amazing uh, experience that she'd had. C.S. Lewis wrote this. He wrote, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete 
until it is expressed. So praising God is moving from an individual experience of God to wanting to to express and share that joy with others. I find that final exhortation, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, is the psalmist wanting to share the same amazing experiences he had had, which praise the Lord. So praise completes our enjoyment, but also acknowledges our dependence on God. If we're honest, praise and thanksgiving are probably the type of prayer that we probably find hardest, particularly when we're on our own. The others, um, the confession, the petition, are usually driven by by circumstances, aren't they? Um, Because we're so caught up in the moment, in our day-to-day lives, um, those are the ones which drive us to prayer. So when we mess up, we're gripped by a sense of guilt and shame. It drives us to, to confess, to ask to say sorry, to ask for forgiveness. When a problem arises, maybe a friend or a, a family member becomes ill, we pray fervently because we feel helpless. We need God's help. And so when good things happen to us, you would have thought that would um, provoke thanks and praise in the same way. But often it's not the case, is it? Or maybe if it's something unusually good or an answer to a specific prayer, as opposed to the general things that we enjoy every day. We mentioned earlier that um, verse from Romans 1, for although, although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. Why is that such a big thing to not give thanks to God? Because what it's saying is, actually, I don't really need you, God. I am self-sufficient. Everything I have either came to me by chance or I worked really hard to get it. I earned it for myself. I don't need anyone, let alone God, to ensure I keep hold of it. I'm very able to look after myself and protect myself. Thank you very much. That is a belief that denies we were created by God, denies that he sustains us every day of our lives. People don't want to be dependent on God because that dependence carries with it an obligation to live our lives as God wants us to live them. And we would prefer to live them as we want to live them. So we're never as grateful as we should be. When good things do come along, we often just maybe subconsciously take the credit and feel pleased with ourselves. When our lives are going along fairly comfortably, not not too many problems, Instead of living in quiet gratitude to God, we somehow assume that's the way it should be. And the problem with that, as Keller says in his book, it robs us of the joy and relief that constant gratitude to an all-powerful God brings. So if we see how important praise is, then how do we go about it? How do we ensure that it becomes a regular part of our everyday lives so we don't miss out on that joy and that relief that Keller talks about. We'll have a look back at uh, Psalm 150 because it begins, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for his acts of power, praise him for his surpassing greatness. And what we have here are the two main types of praise. We have praising God for who he is, the adoration, And thanking God for what he's done, what we sometimes call thanksgiving. 
But let's start with thanksgiving because that's probably the one we find easier of the two. Um, and in this psalm, there's actually just one line which sort of covers everything. Praise God for his acts of power. His acts of power. We see those acts of power in our physical lives and also in our spiritual lives. Have a think about our, spirit, our, our physical life for a moment. I guess that um, if we say grace before a meal, we may give thanks for, for the food we have. Um, of course, it's very easy for grace to become just a habit and a duty um, rather than an expression of joyful praise. Um, but it is a good habit. I'm sure, particularly if we have been ill or those close to us have been, we may give thanks for our health. We see so much sickness around us that we are aware of our human frailty. We may thank God for those closest to us, our our family and friends who bring us pleasure. We may thank God for our achievements, um, things we've been working towards, new things that um, we have started, which we were anxious about and we ask God to help us with. We thank him for that. But what about thanking him for the, the simple pleasures of daily life, things that we take for granted, maybe just for waking and sleeping, for work and leisure? Do we thank God for our work, for a home and a garden, for plants and trees and, and flowers, for earth and sky and sea, for sunshine, clouds and rain? for birds, for fish and animals, for books, for films and music. And what about taking that back to the fact that God gave us life in the first place and made us in his image. He made us capable of knowing and loving and enjoying him and others. Let's move on to our spiritual lives because I guess we find it easier to thank God for certain blessings, um, you know, for our salvation, for the Holy Spirit, for God's word, the church, the promise of eternal life. But how often do we express our thankfulness for these blessings um, more fully? How often do we really spell out what we really mean by that? Think of when somebody is um, baptized. The reason we often encourage them to, to share their testimony is because it's an opportunity for them to think through what God has done in their lives and to actually put it into words. And then when we pray for them, we we do thank God for for the people that um, God put them in their life to maybe tell them about Jesus, to help them understand the gospel, that they've understood that Jesus um, came and made a sacrifice on their behalf, that they've been forgiven, they've been reconciled with God. We thank God for the change that's taken place in their lives as they've repented of all those things that they were doing, the things they put their trust in, and that they now turn to Jesus and want to be baptized. We thank God for the Spirit who's come into to their lives and who will now guide them and uh, teach them and make them more like Christ. We thank God for that assurance of an eternity with him. But how often do we pray that prayer of thankfulness to God for what he's done in our lives, all those specific things. Um, what do we think my conversion was many years ago now? Um, I don't need to thank God for that anymore. Think of those people that we still owe a debt of gratitude that God put into our lives. 
I wonder how often we do we thank God for our ongoing growth as a Christian. Do we thank him for the way he has uh, used events in our life to help us uh, grow in our faith in him? Do we thank him for the way his spirit has helped us to uh, grow in the fruit of the spirit? To become more loving and joyful and peaceful and patient and kind and good and faithful and gentle and self-controlled do we thank him for those people that we have been able to serve those people we've been able to share the gospel with those he's enabled us to support and encourage and those who've supported and encouraged us we thank God for our church do we thank God for our pastors our elders, our deacons our, our ministry leaders, our home group leaders every member of the church who is using the gift that God has given them to serve him Do we thank him for the resources that God has given us to enable us to to build his church? But as we move to adoration, I expect most of us find adoration somewhat harder than thanksgiving. um, Because we're moving away now from our everyday lives to his character and his attributes. If our thankfulness is saying, how good of God to give me this, Adoration is saying, what must be the quality, the attribute of God to want to give me this? In other words, what sort of a God would want to give me this? And again, the the psalm doesn't describe God in much detail other than to say, praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. And when it comes to praising God for his greatness, for his glory, for who he is, then there are two helpful divisions we can make. We can praise God for his being and his attributes and his character. Can I recommend um, at this stage a book, which I've recommended before, but um, again, I'll do it again. Um, It's uh, called Incomparable. And it's a great little book um, which does cover all the sort of things we're talking about in terms of God's attributes, his his being, the names of God. Very short little chapters which you could do for a quiet time very easily and just use it to to praise God on your own. Let's come on to God's being then. Because we think of God's being, we can praise him for a number of things. And uh, I'll put a few here up. Um, Self-existent. God depends on nothing for his being. Everything depends on him. He's infinite. He's without beginning and end. Always has been, always will be. He's triune, three in one, Father, Son, and Spirit. He's creator. As it says in Revelation 4, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will... They were created and have their being. Sustainer. He doesn't just create the world and and let it go, like winding a clock up and letting it run. He actively intervenes in the events of the world. He's holy. He is other. He's distinct from the people, the things that he has made. He's unchangeable. He is perfect, so why would he change if he's perfect? And that is why we can trust in everything he says and does. He is light. He is love. And we could go, go on. 
What about his, um, his attributes? How would you describe God? Well, here's a few. He's just. He's merciful. He's wise. He's gracious. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's majestic. And again, we could go on and on. We haven't got time to go into each one of these now. But as we come to the end, and we're going to have a chance to praise God in a minute. Uh, Praise is easier to do together, isn't it, in the corporate context with others in a church service. But can I just encourage you all to make it a, a regular part of your individual time with God? Maybe use that book I mentioned. Maybe just pray through the Psalms. Use those as an opportunity to praise God, to adore him. The more we, we praise God for what he's done, for who he is, the more real he becomes to us. The more he will become part of our lives. And the more our lives will be characterized by joy. The more we'll be protected from disappointment because uh, we'll be able to put those things in the context of a God who is a loving God, who wants the best for us. So let me finish with some words from Ephesians 3, which is a prayer that then turns into to praise. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him, he was able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.